0: And welcome to DJ in Real Life. This is your boy DJ. This is my real life on the internet. Or what anyone can call a real life on the internet. Very soon I'll be coming up on the 6 year anniversary of my hanging out and dancing at the Red Fox in Kaga Falls. And as most people who know me know, dancing in clubs has been a big part of my life for the past 28 years now. I loved watching dance videos and dance movies growing up and tried my damnedest to learn and copy and do moves I saw in them myself. I did do some stuff at high school dances, but never really felt right doing moves there because, well, it was Talmadge and nothing ever felt truly right there. Like I said in the first official episode of DJ in Real Life, dancing in the clubs may have done more for me in helping me become a social being than anything else has in my life growing up. However, that really didn't take effect until I started attending Ohio State in 1991. Now, before I get into talking about that, I want to let you listeners know that because of my long history with dancing, this is going to be the first in a series of episodes that will talk about my history in dance clubs in both Akron and Columbus. Even though the series will be chronological, big word there, chronological, I won't be doing consecutive or back-to-back episodes of this series because there's so much else I want to talk about on DJ in Real Life. But from time to time, I'll drop an episode in. I have talked about it elsewhere and in my old blog, but it's so much a part of my life. I feel compelled to talk even more about it. With that, let me start with part one of the series with what I call the Park Alley Era. When I first got to Ohio State in September of 1991, I had absolutely no idea where to go. I was just this naive kid out on my own for the first time, trying to find a spot where I could show off what I had, as well as learn more things from other dancers. The first place I ended up going was actually the Newport Music Hall across from the old Ohio Union. It's one of the most iconic concert halls in Ohio, but for a few weekends in October and November of 1991, they had a dance club set up going. My first night there, I saw a couple guys there named Curtis and Yusuf who'd mesmerize the crowd with moves like you'd see in some of the old Kid and Play movies and the new Jack Swing videos. After a while, I just started doing what they were doing, mostly copying them, but sometimes adding my own stuff in. I apparently impressed them to the point where They both individually claimed I was the first white boy that could actually go. I never had that kind of praise before, and I felt pretty damn proud. That went on for a few weekends, and then the Newport stopped doing it. I don't know really why, because they had some really good crowds on those weekends, but I'm guessing they were a concert hall first and foremost, so they just went back to that. I lost touch with Curtis and Yusuf after that, seeing them occasionally, but not on any regular basis. But I guess you could say they were my first real crew. I'd say for about a month after that, I went to different spots trying to see if anything jumped off. There was a place called Presley's across from OSU, which I went to once in a limo. That was pretty cool. Anyway, it had three floors and an elevator, but it also had an empty bot. Great layout, but no spark, so to speak. That's probably why it became a music store the next year. I have no idea what's there now, but the building is still standing amongst all the construction that's going on now around the OSU off-campus area. Aside from that, I pretty much stuck around South Campus Bar, searching for a regular spot, since that was near where I lived at OSU, in Stradley Hall. Insert jokes here. Anyway, I tried Papa Joe's, too crowded to do anything. I tried Purity, which was an underground basement type spot. Lots of room, but too much rock and roll and not enough dance stuff. It took a while, but I finally found the spot where I would end up going for the rest of my first year at Ohio State, the Park Alley slash High Energy Combo Dance Club, which I'll just call Park Alley for short. I wouldn't realize this until years later, but Park Alley became the place where I would judge all other clubs, all other crowds, and all bar staffs by to this day. It made that much of an impression on me. It was a dive bar type club, split into two. There was a two-story half, which was officially Park Alley, that served beer in huge buckets for cheap. I mean huge buckets of beer you had to actually dip a plastic cup into to get, with the dance floor in the second level and an outdoor volleyball court in the back. Then there was the one-story high-energy park with a smaller dance floor but was more club-like and had wet t-shirt contests from time to time. Boy, were some of those fun. Anyway, I would always get there early because I was just so pumped to go there and see what would happen whatever night I was going there. Usually Fridays and Saturdays, but occasionally on Wednesdays and Thursdays when something was going on or I was just bored. I think I put more into going there and dancing than I did in the studying at Ohio State, but I digress as I actually did okay in my classes those quarters. I honestly don't think I ever had a boring night there, which probably explained why I always wanted to go so early. Like the Tzamiya song, I just couldn't get enough. The experiences I had there wouldn't mean much if it weren't for the people I encountered and met there. Sure, there were some interesting crowds, and I had people from my dorm go there from time to time, but it was people who weren't from my dorm who would have the most lasting impact on me personally. There was Tommy D, the DJ at High Energy, who also worked at a spot I'll talk about in a future episode, The Outside Corner. I'm happy to still be connected with him on Facebook. Then there was Owen, probably one of the coolest bouncers I've ever met, who I look at now as the standard for how I judge bouncers. Friendly with customers, handles business when needed, and commands respect simply by being cool. I've met a few bouncers since who've met that standard, but he was the first. Outside of staff-related folks and my immediate crew, who I'll talk about more in a moment, There were regulars there who, for the life of me, I can't remember their faces or names all that well, except for one in particular. Her name was Jennifer Oxley, and she was the hottest and most gorgeous girl I had ever laid eyes on in person at that point in my life. Let's just say this. She was so hot that a couple years later, when we had a criminal justice class together, she had to drop off some assignment at my dorm room after I missed a class. My girlfriend at that time happened to be there with me, and instantly got freaked out jealous and really grabby with me. I wasn't in my girlfriend, but I guess that didn't matter. Jen was that hot. There are times I wish I would have tried to get with her, but I had trouble with how to approach and attract women, or have and keep them interested in me, something I still struggle with today. In any case, I lost touch with her after that class, and she is one of the few people from that era that I genuinely hope is doing good for herself, because she was just so super cool and sweet. I still think about her in that black mini she would wear to the club on occasion. All I could say is, Damn! Anyway, what really kept me going the Park Alley was the crew I hooked up with there, which aside from yours truly consisted of Michael Tut, Roger Bird, and Corey Paraso. We would try new stuff, practice in my dorm, practice at Corey's place. This is where I got my work ethic for dancing from. Some of the stuff we did... I wish I remembered, because it was something to see when a crowd would part like the Red Sea to give us room to do our thing, individually and collectively. That's how respected we apparently were. We did try to go to other places, but we would always come back to Park Alley. Mike was the first to get out dancing pretty early, as he was eager to be a part of the real world, whatever that means anymore. Roger would dance for a few more years and would ultimately lead me to the next era which I'll talk about in the next part of this dance series, the Club Dance Era. I considered him one of my best friends, even when we weren't around each other in later years. He would eventually join the real world himself and leave Dance behind for the most part, but unfortunately, he passed away in 2008. I don't even know how he passed, but I did do a eulogy for him at his funeral, and I had some serious trouble dealing with his death because he had such an effect on my life. Corey and I hung out for a few years while he lived near campus, and we went to some other clubs until he had a family and moved away. Around 2007, when I became a born-again Christian, I discovered he had become a pastor. I worked with him for about a year until around the time Roger passed. We still keep in touch on Facebook, but he is really doing well for himself these days. He is doing some good work through his church, Crossroads World Outreach Ministries in Columbus, Ohio. And I don't normally suggest checking out anything, and I'm not officially advertising stuff just yet, but his church and the work he's been doing is something worth looking into. I'd say search for Crossroads World Outreach Ministries through Facebook, or look for it in conjunction with his name on Google. It's definitely worth a look. Unfortunately, sometimes good things have to come to an end, and even though I learned it had stayed open until July of 1992, for me personally, the party was over at the end of my freshman year. Around that time, the world as I knew it just went to hell, with a lot of bad stuff happening to me and around me, with one of those things being the closing of Park Alley. It closed due to its ties to a former owner named Aldous Santis, who could not own any part of a business in the state of Ohio with a liquor license because he was a convicted felon. Other campus clubs he was associated with, and there were many, also shut down because of his ties to them. But the closing of Park Alley in particular was a gut punch to me personally, especially with all the other hell going on around me then. The only reminder I have of Park Alley itself today is a shot glass from one of their giveaways they had occasionally. I've been thinking about getting a Park Alley retro t-shirt or two, as there are apparently some online sites that make them. They do seem a bit pricey, but I will look into that more, because I would like to have something other than a shot glass and the memories. That pretty much sums up my time at Park Alley itself, which lasted all six months, but boy did it have an impact. I did go to other clubs during the rest of my first go-round at Ohio State off and on, but for the most part, I consider that time frame sort of an in-between eras type of thing. I went to co-ed's and Maxwell's on occasion in 1992 and 93, and even Papa Joe's before it burned down, as well as a few other spots, but not with any regularity, as I got a weekend campus job in early 93. I started to go to Flyers in late 94, which used to house the Park Alley two-story half, when I became single once again and continued going there after both my campus job and the first go-round of Ohio State ended for me in 1995. I went there occasionally until sometime in late 96, when the aforementioned Next Era, the club dance era, started for years truly. The only thing of note I'll say about that interim period is I met one of my best friends, Ron Metcalf, and a couple other good friends in Dave Mantle and Holly Harper, who I keep up with to this day, during that time. Outside of that, the interim serves more as a postscript to the awesomeness that I call the Park Alley era. And with that, I bid you adieu. It's going to be some time before I talk about the club dance era, because I want to wet all your appetites about what happened next in this journey I call my nightlife history. The next episode will most likely be about something else, so stay tuned for that. Don't forget to subscribe to DJ in Real Life on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, the TuneIn app, and the show's YouTube page. You can also check out and like the DJ in Real Life Twitter and Facebook pages, each under the username DJ in Real Life. That's one word, DJ in Real Life, where you can keep up with and find out the latest on what's going on with the show. Until next time, folks, this is your boy DJ saying take care, God bless, and God, Jen Oxley was hot. Goodbye, everybody.